I, I have wondered how I would end up finishing my career, my life, wondering what I would even look like when I was my age now. Well, here I am. And uh, through those years, uh, I have wondered what, how, how I can, my life can be shaped to a point to where when I am the age I am, I would uh, be happy with it. I've kept it kind of simple so that I have a clear vision, keep the clear vision of what life is really all about. When I was in grammar school, all the kids in the neighborhood would go up to uh, the local little store, corner store, and buy these 10 cent kites. I, that, that didn't intrigue me to go up and buy a kite and do that. I wanted to see if I could just take some sticks from the field and some string and some newspaper and and some flour and water and asked my mother if she had any old sheets that I could tear up and use for a tail. And I could fly that thing as high and as good as they could fly their real light kites that they bought at the store. And besides that, it didn't cost me 10 cents, it was free. At a young age, I got off on making things that worked. So when it came to surfboards, um, I didn't look for somebody to make me a board. I wanted to make it myself. And if it worked, Boy, that was really neat to me. It started in 1952. First I started out with catching foam, catching the, the, the soup into the beach. Then I thought, gosh, you know, I'm standing, I'm standing, I'm surfing. Sanctuaries cross the valleys and streams for their deep and their wide, and the world's on its side. And time is running backwards, and so is the bride. That was legendary surfboard shaper Terry Martin. Terry's son Josh Martin builds beautiful wave riding equipment in his home shaping bay in Capistrano Beach, California. But to fully appreciate Josh's work, we must first look at the legacy from which he came. Welcome to Surf Splendor. I'm your host, David Scales. In today's episode, we'll be hearing from Josh Martin about maintaining the legacy that is Martin Shapes. And the sun is going down upon that sacred You know, he was building surfboards down in, in, in San Diego, at Point Loma, Sunset Cliffs. Uh, he started when he was 14 years old. He made his first board. Um, and he, he, the first board he made was a, was a good board. He, 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 the first board he had was a, was a paddleboard, a kook box. Uh, style paddleboard and, and no rocker and no fin and it was heavy and he couldn't surf it you know and and so he decided I'm going to make myself a board well there was some other guys that surfed down there that were older than him that had been surfing for a while and they'd figured out how to ride those those boards and my dad got frustrated with it because you know it just didn't work good and so he made his own board made a hot curl he made okay. a made a finless hot curl and, and solid it was, yeah but it was it well, he made it out of balsa wood and it was half the weight of what everybody else was riding and the tail was pulled in and he started surfing on that board and some of the guys around down there uh, uh, saw him ride it and went hey you know wait a minute you know and their idea was hey you're cheating you know <laughs> you gotta be a man you gotta ride a tough board to ride you know and he was over that well those guys saw what he was doing and went hey we gotta have one of those you know they they tried it and so he started making boards for them but you know um, to make a living, you know, he got married and, and, and he had my brother and he needed need to make a living. And so uh, he looked around and, and he went, you know, uh, I want to work for a surfboard manufacturer. And uh, I want to work for one that's going to be able to uh, provide a situation where I might be able to make a living and actually do, do yeah. what I love doing. But, but it'd be my job and I can, you know. Yeah. So... He drove up here, and, and I think the story's been told. It's probably told in the book, even, I think. Yeah. Uh, but but he came up and, and pro basically proposed that he worked for Hobie to Hobie, and Hobie, you know, nah, I don't know who you are. He was persistent, and he got a job. So... 
was with Hobie Surfboards from nearly the beginning. He even participated in the shift from solid balsa boards to polyurethane foam as the main construction material. Terry also holds the distinction of having shaped more surfboards than any other human being. The unofficial count totals more than 80,000. Hobie's been good to me through the years. I started in 1963 with them. And uh, off and on here and there, but most of the time I've been shaping at Hobie. And uh, they've been really good to me and uh, my family. I figured if I'm gonna make a living doing this, I wanna, I wanna make sure that it's not a chore. It's, it's gotta be fun. It's fun anyway, but I'll make it more fun if I can. I think it's well documented that he was uh, he, he put together some systems, developed some systems for shaping surfboards that basically allowed him to, um, I don't want to say mindlessly, but easily duplicate a lot of surfboards every single day and sh you know shape them well, and so that he could be off daydreaming while he's working, you know, and not yeah. worry about what he was producing, whether it was quality or not. So, you know, I don't know that a lot of people know that my dad didn't really surf. I, uh, didn't, I didn't know that. Uh, after 1970, 69 really? or so. Uh, really? He surfed just a handful of times. Um, you know, I got to surf with him. When, when, I think every time he surfed, I surfed with him. Uh, after I was born, I was born in 70. But, um, you know, he... He got into racing motorcycles, um, which, you know, there was a, a phase, a period of time where back behind Danny Hills High School, it was just open hills. And, yeah. and, and Mickey, who's my uncle, married to, or he, he was uh, my mom's brother. And, 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 and so, you know, actually, Mickey, I don't know, I'll get sidetracked here, but M Mickey, my dad was looking for uh, somebody to watch uh his son david my brother and and um his previous wife had left him and so he was a single dad raising david and he was looking for somebody to watch him an annie and and he was shaping it at hobie and and mickey was shaping down there as well and i don't know they were probably talking about you know i need some help here babysitting and and mickey went i know my sister and so anyway my long story short my dad married married mickey's sister and so so there's you know, there's all kinds of stuff going on with the whole lineage of the Munoz family and then, sure. and then the Martin. So, but but uh, at that time, uh, Hobie um, and uh, Mickey and the Hoffmans and you know, Walter Hoffman and Flippy Hoffman and all these guys, they got into racing motorcycles. It was like, the surface flat. We got to do something that's exciting. So they're, they're out riding motorcycles. They got into racing in the desert anyway. He crashed and broke his foot. He wasn't. Your wasn't dad did. Yeah, he wasn't that into it, but but he broke his foot and he broke the broke the. Uh, uh, I can't remember the name of the bone, in his ankle. Uh, anyway, it's a bone that doesn't grow back well if it's broken, and they were gonna fuse it. And he said, you know, uh, what what are my options? The doctor said, well, there's a really slim chance that uh, if if we put you in a cast, you don't put any weight on it for a year, that bone may start to grow back and you may be okay, you know? And so he elected to do that, but he was shaping at the time. And a little while back, I, I, uh, I don't know, maybe a month ago, I posted a picture on Instagram of my dad in, um, a, a peg leg. He, he asked the, the, the doctor, he said, look, I want you to put my leg in a 90 degree cast. Okay. And, he shaped a, a deal for his thigh right here and shaped a, a balsa wood bed for his his uh, his shin to sit in with a peg leg and he put a cane tip on the end of it and he shaped boards that way for a year. So and he wasn't putting any additional weight on his on his foot ankle. Yeah. Crazy. So you know, it was a year and a half or whatever and and and, uh, and he it healed up and he was able to to walk on it um, but but he had you know a lot of scar tissue in there and it was a he couldn't flex this range of motion in his ankle was really limited so um, it hurt him to surf okay. and, and specifically getting up was yeah. the issue once he was up it was fine okay. but it was the getting up part and what he found was is he'd go to get up and go you know on a wave and it would he'd tweak his foot and then he couldn't work you know, and he'd be a down shot for a couple of weeks. Right. And he was, this isn't worth it. No. And 
the other thing that was interesting about about my dad is, you know, a lot of a lot of people. I, I see a lot of young guys, you know, surfing. That is their entire world. I mean, it's the I if the surf's flat, they're completely bored, bummed. When's the next swell? Um, my dad, was, he didn't revolve around the waves. Right. I mean, uh, life was about enjoying the ocean or whatever was around you, you know. And so, surfing. I mean that. It could be body surfing. It could be diving. I mean, yeah. uh, he spent so much. He's a waterman. Spent so, right. so much time in the ocean. So I got to participate in a lot of that. Um, so my uh, my appreciation for the ocean is is you know I feel like really well rounded. Whether yeah. it's you know building a boat, fishing, diving, body surfing. I don't really like to lay on the beach too much. I don't, <laughs> I don't get tan. I only got a couple yeah. freckles here, but um, but that that included surfing, and and for him there was just as much enjoyment with building a surfboard for somebody that was going to go out and ride it, and even watching that person ride it. Okay. And so I don't know whether I, it was just because of how I grew up and getting to see that and and hang out in the shop and build boards for people, but I, I kind of have the same. Uh, I guess mentality. I I uh, I get I get as much enjoyment out of building a surfboard as I do as going and riding a wave. Really? Yeah. Let me ask you this: um, Considering that your dad didn't surf for the majority of your life, yeah. but you share the craftsman aspect with him, do you feel that that would encumber your ability to design and to shape boards? You know, not not riding them. Uh, you know, I got over that early on. Uh, I don't think my dad ever rode a board under eight feet. Okay. He made so many shortboards. I can't even tell you how many shortboards he made. I had 20, 30, 40,000 shortboards and really good ones for really good surfers. Yeah. You know, and I think that it's critical um, to have a good ear, develop relationships with good surfers, Yeah. get their input, and build them what they want to ride. Mm -hmm. Um because if I'm building somebody what I want to ride, that's a really limited uh, kind of surfboard, frankly. You know? Certainly. Uh, I, uh, I'm i not interested in riding, say, that fish right there. Right. It just doesn't interest me. Mm -hmm. I like watching people ride them. I love making them for people. Mm -hmm. I appreciate what they do. I don't know. I don't. I wouldn't drive a Corvette. I like them when I see them drive by. Right. But, <laughs> but, so. but is that to say then that the um, principles of hydrodynamics or whatever apply in the fish design behind you similarly to that they apply into boards that you are exactly. riding? Exactly. I had a great... And you can yeah. apply those same... Yeah. I had a great teacher, you know, um, learning about what edges on surfboards do and what, you know, soft... Uh, rails do and how they hold water and edges release water mm -hmm. and and what concaves do and what belly does and and v and displacement and you know all that i had a great teacher early on and 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 that applies to boats it applies to sailboats especially mm -hmm. it applies to paddle boards i mean it applies to your spear gun in the water and how it moves and it can, can i move my spear gun laterally through the water to get to this fish without causing a disturbance in the water yeah you know and shoot that fish and have dinner you know yeah <laughs> and so all of that stuff applies and and i guess uh you, know, you think like a fish when you're in the water well you know you think like what a surfboard's going to do and, and i have the ability to visualize that i think my dad was a great teacher in helping me along with that my life has been shaped uh by what I do. Uh, I haven't had a lot of clutter uh, so that my thinking has been clouded to the point to where I don't know what I'm doing. Stay simple. Don't get cluttered and uh, so that your thinking can be clear on what does matter. Because this thing here of uh, life only lasts for a little while. And I know, I'm 73. I've seen it go by pretty quick. Even though it seems like a long time, it goes by really quick. And, uh, you know, it's going to be over. But in relationship to eternity, it's nothing. In 2012, at the age of 74, Terry Martin passed away from melanoma. 
Life can be a bore, or it can be exciting. Um, we have been created, I look at it this way, we've been created, so with the ability to, uh, to have a vision, uh, to do something about it. And uh, if we don't, um, we just kind of waste away our brain and our time and everything else. But when we have a vision, we have a purpose. The purpose is to do something and to do it well. A lot of times in doing that, you have to step out. And uh, when, you, when you step out, uh, a lot of times that takes a whole bunch of faith because uh, you can't see the future and you don't know exactly how this is going to turn out. And it's a lot of risk sometimes. But you know what? You're on a roll. You're trying. You're doing the best you can do. And which, which produces a bunch of different thoughts for the future of this whole vision. And the next thing you know, uh, you're past all of that. And you're in another part of the vision. And you're going, well, that worked pretty good. Uh, I'm going to keep doing that. And uh, you end up uh, doing something rather than doing nothing. You know, my earliest memories of, of him working down there at Hobie's was, uh, uh, I would say, about 19... Well... At Hobie's specifically, about 1976 or so, uh, I was six years old. Um, you know, I have memories before that, uh, about when I, maybe when I was five. He had a little shop in San Clemente that, uh, for a time, and I remember he gave me a blank to carve on, and I carved a shark. I put gill slits in the rail, and, you know, I think I took one of these guys right here and I'd stick that in the rail. I made eyes. You oh know? my yeah, gosh. Was, <laughs> I thought that surfboard fins, at the time they were single fins for the most part, and I thought that the fin probably should go on the deck because that's, you know, shark that's fin. They shark look, yeah, it. so I drew, would draw surfboards with fins on the deck. Mm -hmm. But, uh, so, you know, I was in a shaping bay early on, but yeah. I got a job, I would guess probably uh, eight or nine years old, ten years old. I'd ride down. Uh, we lived here in Capistrano Beach, and uh, same factory that they build the SUPs in down there now, the raw SUPs. That same factory, same place. Uh, you know, um, I would go down there. I'd ride on the the tank of my dad's motorcycle. He had a matchless. Uh, I. I know I never wore a helmet ever. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know? And, Dude, and I remember riding in the back of the pickup trucks you know, and stuff. You know, the most dangerous thing about that whole deal was burning your leg on the exhaust pipe. So I've done that too. You know, I just kept my legs yeah. out. You know, and and so you know, down here there's a church down here now, Capo Beach Calvary Church. Uh, uh, that was that was a bowling alley originally, and before that, it was a vacant lot. And there was a jump in the middle of the. There was a a, a motorcycle trail that went across the the lot. And there was a jump in the middle of it. We'd go down, yeah, and we'd jump over that thing, and you know, I'd, uh, the the metal gas tank wasn't real comfortable to sit on, and no suspension on the motorcycle. And, Could you imagine and, doing that with one of your kids? Oh, it's awesome! I mean, yeah, it's I like, just, I, you know, we used to have BB gun wars at the park. Over, I mean, it was just yeah, anyway. crazy. So, so um, you know, these were the days when uh, Mike Muir was laminating down in, in, at the Hobie shop, and and both the Patterson, Timmy Patterson's um, dad, and uh, so Ronald and 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 uh, Raymond uh, Patterson were working down there, hot coating, and uh, gosh, Timmy was a sander. He, uh, eventually, he he became a sander down there, and. Um, Doug Harlow was was polishing, uh, and Danny Bronner was the manager, and he did a lot of glossing down there. <coughs> he was my first boss. Uh, I was cleanup kid. Okay. I'd go down there. Uh, my the some of the very first uh, memories of actually working down there where they break up the floor, you know, and they they would uh, you know that surfboard resin, right. you know, this is came from a, a box, but this would be on the floor. We'd break it up with sledgehammers. Uh, and, and I'd haul it out, throw it in the trash can, and sweep, and, uh... Did you ever have any ambition to do anything other than work in that environment? Uh, early on, uh, no, I just loved working down there, yeah. you know? It was like a family, you know? Sure. We built surfboards down there, uh, 
from absolute scratch. I mean, you, we, you know, we, other than making the blanks, uh, which we even did that if it was a balsa wood blank, we'd build sure. that, you know, glue that up. But at that time, it was it was all Clark foam, and so we'd take blanks and shape them. My dad watched my dad shape them, and then they'd go just. 15 feet away into the laminating room and they get laminated and then they go across the hall into the next room which is the hot coating room and they get hot coated and glossed and then polished and sanded and polished and you know we made the fins there and so you you know boards got made start to finish there which was a really cool and and, and I think that you know that a lot of that stuff is 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 doesn't happen so much anymore there's still shops that do that but uh, I th frankly think there's less and less of them and I think there's more and more value again in those shops because people they like that. They, you know, it's, we're in a digital age. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of people who like real film. You know. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's only going to get more and more of kind of a, a niche. You know. And so. What part of, what part of that is niche? The fact that it's all done in one house, or the fact that it's done by hand, or. Uh both. Okay. Yeah, both. Um, well, my first job shaping was making fins. Okay. I foiled fins at Hobie's, and and. Uh, and that was uh, that was something to you had to learn. Okay. Uh, and if you didn't know how to do it very well, you weren't going to continue to be the fin foiler. You know. Yeah, yeah. And so you know, I had my dad taught me to foil them. Um, I had other other guys that gave me input in there uh, for sure. But cutting them out, learning how to build the panels, we used high density foam and, and fiberglass. And you know, this was back when thrusters were just starting. Okay. Uh, and making those fans and you know i was proud of what i made you know and you could mm. see the end result was no that guy's good at what he does you know and that was a you know i was proud of being able to be good at that you know it was a, it was a lot of i made money too and you know it was, it's always good it was fun yeah um but as far as you know the debate on whether what's right or wrong regarding you know hand shaping versus you know saying using a cnc machine and a computer program to shape a board you know, I see value in both of them. Yeah. You know? I think for a lot of guys, that CNC machine and that computer have replaced their planer. You know, they, I've got three skill planers in here. You know, um, for some guys, their planer is is the computer and that machine, and that's awesome. That's great. You know, I I'm uncomfortable with a keyboard and a mouse and trying sure. to figure out how to shape with that. I'm comfortable with a skill. Um, so, so I appreciate both as far as the mass production of boards, you know, frankly, cheaper boards and more of them introduce more people to surfing and a certain percentage of those people are going to really fall in love with surfing. And I believe that most of those people eventually will come back to a human. Yeah. To, to, yeah. And, and that human, human interaction. Yeah. And, and they either become a shaper or they go and they find a shaper mm -hmm. and then they develop a relationship with them. And then, um, you know, I think there's just a t tremendous amount of value in that. I don't ever think it's going to go away. I don't either. Yeah. The I guess the heart of the matter, the heart of the question is, is there a difference in the final product between a board that's hand-shaped and a board that's computer-shaped or CNC cut, you know? I think that there's a difference in every single surfboard. <laughs> so, so yeah. no, essentially no, I don't. I think if you find a computer-cut surfboard that works great for you, great yeah you know, well hands you know. still touch that board sure so, absolutely yeah and there's a lot of fine tuning that can be done yeah uh with one uh uh you know i work with a with a with a few really good surfers um surfers that ride boards that i can't ride you know uh rachel tilly rides long boards i can't imagine myself riding one of those boards but you know she can come here and stand in my shaping room and look at an outline that I draw on a blank, you know, and she goes, you know what, I'd like my nose a little bit wider and or I'd like it a little bit narrower or I'd like this curve to to draw in a little bit more here. And, you know, whether or not that actually translates into the board functioning under her feet better mm -hmm. or not, it might make it worse. The fact that she was part of the process. Um, provides a, a, a certain level, I don't know what it is, I guess it's just being part of the process, and and right or wrong, she gets to go out in the in the waves and have been, she can't shape her own surfboard, but she can provide input to me, watch it be shaped, to go out there and ride that, yeah. and there's a certain level of like an underlying stoke yeah. that 
she's gonna overcome a, a, something wrong in that surfboard just sure. because she's stoked to ride it, you know, that sure, she was sure. part of it, you know. And so, um, is that best? I don't know. Um, so far, it's awful good, <laughs> you know. I'll ask, uh, say a brand new guy, brand new customer comes in here and they want a surfboard. You know, they, they have some ideas, you know, they might have been around a couple surf shops and, and for whatever reason, they find themselves here in my shaping room uh, with me and I'm going to make them a surfboard. And so I like to know, well, you know, how much do you weigh? How tall are you? Get kind of an idea of their physique. Yeah. Uh, and then I like to ask them where they like to surf. Yeah. Like, what kind of waves do you want to surf? And then what do you like to do on that wave? You know, uh, it, I like to ask people if you could just dream a perfect wave to ride. Like, you know, a lot of times people aren't going to say, oh, I, you know, pipeliners. That scares a lot of people. But, yeah. you know, I mean, if you ask me what would be the perfect wave, oh, I might say somewhere, some point down in Baja you know, 10 hours from here with two other good friends, mm -hmm. you know, and 200 yards long and, and not necessarily perfect. I like a section now and then mm -hmm. in a way it provides a little bit of variety and challenge. And, and so anyway, I'll, I'll ask my customer that. And, and then, uh, if they ask me what I think, I'll give them input. Uh, up up until the time a lot of times watching body language is important because really? you'll see them actually start to get a little bit kind of like fold their arms and you might see a crease in the the brow and and you go well okay they're not liking what i'm saying and they might be nodding their head and saying yeah. yes but i can tell they're they're pondering that so i try to dig out of them what they're stoked on you okay. know and and i remember a really really great lesson i learned as a young guy i remember one time i was standing in a uh, <laughs> my, my dad, he was shaping down there at Hobie's and he says, he says, uh, Hey, come here. Uh, uh, he'd finished doing eight boards or 10 boards or whatever. And, and he had a custom board to do in the afternoon. He says, Hey, so-and-so's bringing his son in, um, to get his first surfboard. And I, yeah, come here, check this out, you know. So I came in, and, and, and I, I think I stood around the door, and I remember this guy walked in. He was a good surfer. I think he might have been a Hobie team rider at the time, and he had a young son who was, I don't know, he was seven or eight years old. And mm -hmm. he came in, and he's all proud, you know. Oh, so my son's going to get his first surfboard, you know. And so uh, my dad says, all right, what are we going to make? And, and the dad said, you know, uh, well, you know, it's his first board, and he's not really, you know, he's not a very good surfer, and we're going to make him a, you know, we need to make him like kind of a, a just like sort of a longboard, mini longboard, egg kind of, I don't know what the terminology at the time he used, but it was that kind of a board. It was a beginner board, you know, and and, uh, and my dad was watching this kid, you know, and the kid was just not into it. He's just kind of kicking foam dust around and bummed, and, and it should have been a cool thing. He's getting his first surfboard. And, and uh, the dad left. I think he had to go to the bathroom or something, left for a few minutes, and my dad... <laughs> it was kind of naughty maybe, but he pulled the kid aside and he says, Hey, what kind of surfboard do you want? You know, and, and, and do you surf and where do you surf? You know, and the kid goes, well, I, you know, I surf at, uh, I don't remember where it was, Riviera or something, beach break in San Clemente, you know, and my dad, he didn't hate that place. He, that wasn't a wave to him to surf. He grew up riding reefs down at Sunset Cliffs, you know, Yeah, yeah. but he was stoked for this kid because that's what this kid knew, you know, mm -hmm. and. And he says, really, what, well, what are your, what are your, you got friends that surf? Yeah, you know, what do they ride? Well, they ride Channel Islands board, Al Merrick board, you know, whatever, you know, at the time, it might have been Tom Curran or something, those mm -hmm. current pro or something, you know, at the time. And, and, and that's what these kids were, they, that, those were their heroes at the time. And so, um, they, they talked about maybe what he, this kid might like. And basically it was this little, you know, five and a half foot thruster and the current cutting edge board, you know. Very different than what his dad was rallying. Exactly, for. yeah. His dad was riding that, a version of yeah, it, yeah, just yeah. bigger. But, you know, yeah. you know, his kid was bummed, you know. So, anyway, I remember my dad taking his dad aside when he came back and said, Hey, look, okay, here's the deal. You can do whatever. We, we'll make you whatever you want to make. But, you know, I was talking to your son, and, and uh, you know, he'd like kind of this kind of a board, you know, his thruster and... and basically a, a difficult board to learn how to surf on right uh dad says but you know he's really stoked and yeah. that's what his friends ride and my guess is that he's gonna walk down the beach and 
it'll be a done deal just getting out of the car and walking down the beach. All his buddies are going to see him with the new ripstick, and he's going to puff his chest out and go, uh-huh, look what I got. Mm -hmm. He'll figure out how to surf it and be better off for it in the end. Right. You know? When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. What, what's your ideal posture that a client should have when they're coming in to begin that um, relationship with you? Um, Their ideal attitude. Uh, coming in desiring to be just part of the process. And if they'll work with me from start to finish... And, 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 and they're coming with an attitude of, I'm just going to enjoy this process. And, I'm, and I'm, I'm fortunate and blessed to be allowed to be, give input. And I mean, that's a, that's a cool thing. I mean, mm -hmm. you come in a shaping room and create something, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. I used to, used to uh, be an apprentice for a potter, you know, and, 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 and I love ceramics, you know, and we'd be building all kinds. Oh, man, I love being part. You get let in on little secrets and stuff, mm -hmm. you know, and. I only picked up a fraction of what I could have learned from this guy. Yeah. But, you know, uh, I would say just willingness. Willingness to, to go, go with it. Go with the flow. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. So. Let's talk about material. Um, what do you like working with? What do you predominantly work with when you're shaping boards? Uh, I would say there's a, a real nice equal balance of balsa wood, redwood, old school nature's foam if you will mm -hmm. <laughs> could be century plant uh, my dad made a lot of boards out of century plant i worked on a lot of those boards with him what's century so, plant uh that's in a just a, a yucca agave you know uh, looks like a i don't know looks like a you've seen them they make tequila out of them mm -hmm. you know and and then they, what they do is they bloom and they shoot up a big old asparagus out of the middle of them and yes. that's stock um, it's kind of looks like balsa wood inside. It's got multiple colors, real light, terrible to shape, but it's light. It makes surfboard. Does it grow it's big a, enough to make, use one piece of, or do you have to? Uh, it usually takes, uh, eight of them or so. Gotcha. You know, uh, depends on what you're making, but make a lawn board out of them. It's so much work. You might as well make, get the most bang for your buck or effort there. That is, and, right. and, and make a, you know, bigger board, but, um, they're, uh, they're, yeah, I don't know, it's kind of a novel, they're pretty, you know, mm -hmm. and it's just kind of a fun thing to do. I get a kick out of making them, making boards out of that. But, so, so I do a lot of woodworking. I have a real, real love for building boards traditionally out of wood, uh, out of balsa wood. But I also spend an equal amount of time shaping EPS. I hate shaping EPS. Really? I can't stand it. I mean, it does stuff is awful. It's like a bunch of pressed together ball bearings that it does rubber i don't it's awful my planer doesn't like it i don't like it um you know the planer jumps and squeaks on it but you know what people there i got a lot of surfers that, that they love riding an eps board i respect that so without the demand though you wouldn't necessarily choose to work for it absolutely or not work with it no yeah no well uh i value it in certain areas. Okay. And so I, I would make myself surfboards and 
um, watercraft, if you will. There might be a pipo board, or it might be a paddle board, a prone paddle board. It might be a stand-up paddle board. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would make out of EPS under certain circumstances. Um, uh, there's value in in that as as uh, as a core. Um, there's there's a lot of value in epoxy mm -hmm. and that resin and uh, so that being said there's all kinds of stuff that fit in between those and I do all of it okay. and I love it okay um, if you were uh, I just made a, a board recently uh, a hot curl finless hot curl ten feet we're aiming for forty pounds I I ordered the blank uh, it was a, a, a ten eight Y in tow foam. Okay. That was really fun to shave. So that's really like dense foam. Carving soap, you know, really? it was awesome. I loved it. It was, it was. That was probably one of the my favorite surfboards I've ever shaped. It was, really. Was a big old ten foot hot curl because it's a lot of shaping, out of tow foam. It was great. I loved Is it, it going to a client or? Yeah, he's person? been riding it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he loves it, and we found out that it's not necessary to go that heavy. Maybe uh, with this current design we're working with right now, and so I just shaped him another one out of uh out of green foam so less and, dense yeah a lot of fun it was great you know so. um let's <coughs> let's pretend we had we didn't have a conversation about hot curls the other day and we'll start from scratch sure <laughs> um can you explain what a hot curl is and explain start by explaining what the importance is to your family legacy you know and how that sure. relates sure so uh The, the, a lot of the boards that my dad learned how to surf, or well, when he was learning how to surf, a lot of the available surfboards were finless, planks, uh, wide tail, and, you know, a lot like an Elia, uh, you rely a lot on an edge for, okay. for controlling your direction, and I don't, know, I don't know how anyone rides one of those things, but, I know, me <laughs> you know, um, but you know what, though, I use, we used to make we didn't. We never surfed Elias when I was a kid, but but uh, we would make skimboards out of plywood. Right. And you know what? Essentially, I was riding an Elias. Really, frankly, we we go out and catch waves and then ride a wave. So oh, really? anyway, I don't know why I say I can't imagine riding one because okay. we did okay. <laughs> essentially. But anyway, uh, my dad made his first surfboard was was he had seen a board called a Hawaiian board, and that's what he called it. And and uh, he made this board without a fin copied i guess from what the image he had in his mind of having seen a picture of one or i don't know where where he first was introduced to those hawaiian boards but he was 14 years old made a board made sense to him water would flow on these surfaces of the board he liked to make kites and gliders and stuff and and he, i think he just imagined how water would flow on a surfboard so um he figured that if the water will flow on this surface and grab it and hold it it's not going to slide out so he made a board, copied a Hawaiian board. They became also known as, as hot curls. So the boards he rode were 10 feet long okay. on average and uh, very pulled in tail, uh, V-shaped on the boat, boat-like. They're a displacement hull, you know. Flat deck. Uh, flat deck. Hardly any rocker. They Actually, the boards I make currently, uh, hot curls, they, they don't look like they hardly have any rocker on the deck to the un untrained eye you look at it go that's an ironing board you know hmm. but they do have deck rocker um they obviously have rocker on the bottom too plenty of it um and but they those boards uh cradle in the water the wave cradles them they they sit down in the water and like a boat yeah absolutely yeah they're a complete displacement hull um they do not plane uh, at all uh, and and so um my dad would ride up a, a place uh uh they call it they call it osprey street now uh down in in point loma um they called it at the time terry slide and uh he and his brother and a couple other guys would ride hot curls there and a lot of times it was best at low tide uh and there was a lot of kelp a lot of times in the lineup and without a fin, you go right over it all, you know. And yeah. As fins became popular, that 
place wasn't really considered a surf break. Well, it was a good wave, and he'd ride his hot curl in there, you know, and it just glide right over the kelp. So, and then the bigger the surf, the better the hot curl works, you know. And hmm. so he really enjoyed riding them, and eventually he he moved on from that because they they're not they're not everything as far as surfing is concerned, you know. They're they're kind of a way over here in a corner of surfing that's just. It's a neat place to explore. They do something different on a wave than, than any other surfboard does, you know. And what's that? So, well, because they're so deep into the water, they t the, for some reason or another, the hot curl um, taps into energy in the wave that other surfboards I don't feel like directly tap into. Um, they're using that energy, but they're planning on top of it. And the hot curl's down in it, and it's almost like it grabs that energy. It's hard to cut out of a good wave on a hot curl. The wave and the hot curl, they interact together, and you're a passenger, and, you know, you got to behave. <laughs> yeah. Because you're not really going to muscle a, a properly made hot curl around too much. Um, they, uh, um, you know, I think about... Sea lions and dolphins, when you watch them, or a really good body surfer that mm -hmm. can take off underwater and ride a swell underwater, that's what the hot curl's tapping into. It's getting that energy. It's that inner part of the, the core roots of the wave. Right. And uh, that's a really rich part of a wave to get to experience. And yeah. the only way I know how to experience it is be a really good body surfer, become a seal or a dolphin, or learn how to ride a hot curl. And, and uh, they're easier to ride than than people think. They're 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 not like a typical fin. A lot of the the modern finless stuff that you see going on relies a lot on edges. It's planing. Um, it's fine, but it's not riding a hot curl. Yeah. Uh, Even though the hot curl's finless, that exaggerated V in the tail almost acts like a fin, right? Um, or or not? Well, there's a different dynamic going on there, I believe. Um, it's it's water uh it, you know it initiates not at the v it's up in the nose okay and and the way the bottom of the hot curl is shaped the way the the actual belly and the nose will displace water and push it out of the way but then it finds this nice rail up in the nose that it it doesn't want to leave and it hangs onto that rail and it draws down as the board goes through the water it holds that water that met it at the nose and it never leaves till it comes off the tail and that waters your the, the the nose grabs, if you will. Uh, that's a hot curl's friend. Mm -hmm. That water holds all the way down that wave, and um, you know a fin is. I don't even know. There's probably guys as scientists and stuff that would know exactly what's going on. But I just know that the water coming down that board um, on both sides. There's there's opposing forces that on that board that just hold it in place naturally in a way it feels it feels loose but very secure all at the same time right yeah have you considered like those principles that you're talking about that make the hot curl unique and tapping into that inner energy that the wave has yeah that a body surfer and a seal tap into have you considered trying to get that and then get that into a different design, maybe modify the hot curl design to make it more modern, but still kind of tap into that inner energy somehow? Is there a, uh, mm. an updated version of the hot curl that could be not necessarily 10 feet? You know what I mean? But you could still ride that part of the wave, absolutely. but maybe maneuver it or absolutely. something? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, I, I, uh, there's, a, there's a guy down in, in New Zealand, I've never met him, his name's Roger Hall. And he's making hot curls, and he's kind of got some modern twist on them. I've seen some footage of, of him surfing them. Uh, I think he's he's kind of venturing out a little bit into, the, into that area of, of adding some modern flavor to them. And, hey, it looks like it works, you know. Yeah. I think it's pretty cool, you What's know. What's he making? And he's making some hot curls, but they look kind of like a traditional hot curl, but he's making some short ones. and I okay. think he, And I don't know a whole lot about what he's doing, but but just what little bit I do, it's different than what I'm doing. And it's, right. it's a little more progressive. Now, uh, Donnie Brink and I have had, had quite a few discussions about it. Donnie just recently made one that's out of EPS that's very light. And, and I've talked to several guys that have ridden it and love it. And it may not be the same thing as, say, a traditional heavy hot curl. But, hey, my first thought was it, when, when Donnie first mentioned it to me, I thought, nah, it's not going to work, you know. 
uh, that's just, you can't, you, and my dad would have said the same thing. Nah, you can't make a light hawk curl. They, they got to be heavy, got to be down in the water. Well, I don't know that that's necessarily the case. You know, my dad never considered riding a hawk curl around here because, you know, these kind of waves around here aren't conducive to it. Right. Um, lowers is, but who's going to paddle a hawk curl out at lowers? Yeah. My buddy Jeff Quam did. Did he? <laughs> yeah, he rode this 40-pounder 40 out there. It was great. It was awesome. But, oh, man. Um, but, but so, so Donnie... He and I have had some discussions about it. Now, there's a, there's a, there's this kid, um, uh, uh, Ryan Birch. I've seen some footage of him riding a, a this, this board that Ryan Lovelace uh, made, and I think they call it the Rabbit's Foot. Uh, you know, the footage I've seen, I'm not. I personally am not this 360 guy and all this fancy spinner around or stuff on a wave. Um, I appreciate it. I think it's cool. But the thing I was most impressed with watching that footage that I saw was the actual uh, turns he was making, bottom turns, and and how fast the board was and how actually, frankly, he'd do things, turn the board sideways and never lose any speed. But one of the things, and I, I, I've never talked to, to Ryan Lovelace about it, but I think that, that that protrusion that he's got on that that rabbit's foot, uh, he's tapping into some hot curl Energy. stuff. Yeah, there's some stuff going on there that that uh, that I I think I don't know. I've never even looked at one person, but just seeing the guy, seeing uh, um, Ryan Bird surf that thing, I just went whoa man there's there's some hot curl stuff going on there so yeah i think that there's all kinds of room to blend the two for sure yeah um, personally i'm i'm really enjoying a lot of the traditional so i have personally i'm not branching much out of that uh, yeah a little bit but uh these guys are taking it way further well I, I was talking to somebody else another shaper about it recently and it's like once you as a shaper kind of find your niche that you're interested in there's a endless nuance within that tiny little thing that you're doing that you could spend all day every day for the rest of your life working on it exactly and never explore all the nuance exactly so to then add in these other yeah. asymmetrics or whatever the other realm is it's yeah. like oh my god i don't have time yeah. for this you know yeah these these old school uh 40, 50, 60 pound hawk curls that my dad was riding back then. Uh, he and I got together and, and made one out of foam. And, and we, we ordered uh, some classic foam, uh, a one inch basswood stringer for the, for the center of the board and two inch basswood offsets to get the weight. And we made a... He and I made a hot curl together. I, was, I, I said, you know, Dad, I would like to ride one, and, and, and I'd like to learn how to ride one, and I, I would like a leash loop on it because they have no fin. They, you lose it, it turns sideways, and it's a 10-foot lawnmower all the way to the beach and yeah. kill somebody. So, so I got, you know, we got to make one out of foam and, and with, with that basswood, and that was a lot of fun, but we made an exact replica of, of one that he would have ridden in the 50s. Well, you know, he said, you know, really, you're not really going to be able to appreciate how this board really rides unless you go ride big, good surf, you know. Well, big, good surf means a lot of people in the water that aren't really going to find that board real acceptable out there in the lineup. So, um, you know, I a, a surfer of my level of ability and confidence, I, you know, I probably wasn't going to find myself out paddling something like that out at lower. Well, I know I wasn't going right. to find myself doing that. So... One of the things that I it's been really fun for me recently is is that I've been making some some tuning that old design for waves that maybe you're not going to be maybe not so crowded maybe not quite as good a surf I kind of see the hot curl as yeah it's going to ride really good and great waves but you know it because it does tap into that kind of say root energy of a swell you can ride an open swell places that other guys aren't going to ride surfboards it kind of opens up new surf spots frankly yeah and and so i've been making little tweaks here and there on on an old design um and i'm currently i'm satisfied doing that right now because i'm just having so much fun i'm only one guy yeah, <laughs> you can only yeah do so much you know so much room in the surf industry for people to create and you really don't step on people's toes or you shouldn't you shouldn't feel like you are and and if you are then 
I don't know, find you, something else. Right, <laughs> right. Um, you have quite a collection of surfboards. We were just looking at some upstairs. Can you tell me what is your favorite board in your collection? Maybe you ride it, maybe you don't. And what's the story behind it? Uh, hmm. That's a tough one because, because um, surfing, uh, we've talked a little bit about it, surfing is more than just riding a wave to me. It's, it's, it's uh, well, it's a lifestyle. It's, it, oftentimes with the, when, when I hear the word surf, I think, oh, a trip, you know, whether it be figuring out if the motor is going to work good and the boat doesn't have a hole in it, the Zodiac, and hauling it up to the Gaviota to launch it off the beach to go surf the Hollister Ranch. You know, and what are we going to have for lunch while we're up there sitting outside on the shoulder? I mean, it's just the whole deal. Is And so what board would I want to take up there or what board would I want to take down to Baja or what board would I just go ride if I'm going to go surf for a half hour here? Um, probably mm, my favorite surfboard is, is an 11-foot um, double ender, flat rocker, pretty, pretty thin, really pinched rail, uh, board that I've got that, that was actually the last board my dad made for himself. And, um, he made it, uh, about mm, 15 years ago. And, uh, it just happened. I didn't actually never wrote it until fairly recently it was probably about six years ago or so that i wrote it for the first time wow and uh i wrote it and wow this board's really a fun board I, you know there was some little bit of a sentimental nostalgia whatever it was the last board that my dad just went i'm gonna make myself a surfboard you know and he wrote it a few times the last couple times I, he surfed i got to surf with him and he rode that board and and uh you know, I was riding another board that he'd made me, but anyway, this one, uh, there's something really special about the glide that this board has, and it was unusual because he, he made the board out of very light foam. It's probably why uh, uh, I'm not so opposed to, to jumping into the EPS. This yeah. board wasn't made out of EPS. It was made out of ultralight foam, and it was pretty crummy foam at the time. It was, it was Clark foam. Um, it was made out of and and the board was glass with one layer of i think it was five ounce cloth it might have been like an early s cloth or something like that it's anyway it flexes a lot um but oh it you get to uh you get the glide and the way that board finds natural trim mm -hmm. uh it's 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 almost embarrassing because you just feel like you just don't have to do any work to catch a wave but there's so much time to just enjoy the experience yeah uh, of riding a wave on that and and uh if i could only have one surfboard i'd like to have that one that's a great it's <laughs> yeah. a great answer to that yeah, question yeah. what is your current relationship like with surfing you've alluded to it a lot in that it's not just going into the water and riding a wave it's kind of the whole experience but what is your relationship like with surfing? How many days a week do you surf currently? Where do you surf generally? And um, what was the last board that you rode? What mm -hmm. board are you riding right now? Last board I rode was a Pipo at Salt Creek at Strands. Uh, it was a wood Pipo. In fact, it's sitting right here. Uh, and the last wave I rode on it um i felt like i was going faster than i've ever gone on a wave wow and it all ended so fast that i have no recollection of the wipeout because the board has no rocker whatsoever uh and i purled and i think i blew sand crabs out the left nostril and out the right ear <laughs> Did you, so did you lose consciousness? <laughs> no. I came up laughing, going, that was the most spectacular wipeout I've ever had. It was great. Um, Crazy. So, so I've been, been making some of those and, and loving it. Uh, Hot Curl. Uh, I really enjoy riding that right now. Um, uh, I haven't been surfing very much this winter. Um, uh, my current full suit has a hole mm -hmm. in the crotch. And I frankly just don't like wearing board shorts underneath my wetsuit. So it puts a damper on that. That's a bad uh, place for a hole, too. I know, really. Well, you know, the thing is, is I my, my wetsuits, 
I don't just use them for surfing. I find myself lobster diving with them. And so I'm reaching back in holes and I'm ripping them up. And <laughs> it's yeah. awful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, I, you know, and, and so body surfing, uh, I would say I do an equal amount of body surfing. Uh, I'm, I'm liking the ride in the Pipo. I'm using hand planes a lot when I body surf. Uh, I don't like using them when the surf gets bigger. Um, but you know, a, a Pipo is basically just an extension. I think of, of uh, it's basically a hand plane for your body, mm -hmm. and and that's a that's an awesome thing. Mickey mm -hmm. and I were talking about um, putting in uh, pockets in wetsuits and putting in some inserts with maybe some keels and things like that, so that basically you just become a human surfboard, you know? Yeah. And, and oh, we were all into that, you know? I love That's that. super cool. And, and so, and then, and then right now, uh, I just, I actually am making a board right now that, that I, it's probably gonna be my next, uh, well, it's a dream in my head that it's the next surfboard that I'm gonna ride a bunch. And it's, uh, it's a balsa wood board, and, and I just, I just made a, a, a D-fin for it, and it's uh, it's clad with aluminum. Yeah. And it's light. It's 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 marine ply in the middle, and then aluminum on the outside. Anyway, I just love the lines, the way the board flows, and I'm looking at it up here on my rack. Yeah. And, and I'm I made the fin for it, and I've never rode a board uh, extensively with a D-fin. And I kind of want to go back to figuring out what what it is what is it about a defin that people still love? Mm -hmm. And because I got Do guys people that, still love it. Yeah, yeah, they're good for nose riding. Um, I'm told. <laughs> yeah. And and um, they're good for pivot turns, you know. And so uh, I put the hips on the board back uh, in in the outline. Uh, and so uh, I I envisioned the board in my mind. I thought, okay. I want the hip in the outline back here. I want the fin placement here. And I'm visualizing myself turning on the wave. And then I get to create and build a board. And so, um, well, we're yeah. gonna make that dream a reality. So here's, here's how it's happening. That's exciting. Yeah. To close out our discussion, I was curious to hear about where Josh plans to take the Martin Shapes brand and legacy. I'm pressing on. Now, after my dad passed away, uh, an opportunity came up with Hobie. They came to me and, and, and I wasn't even looking for it, but they just approached me and said, hey, look, you know, we've got the Terry Martin legacy model and, and you know, some of these boards that associated with my dad. And, um, you know, would you be interested in in, uh, in in doing his models with us? And 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 I thought about it, and I thought, well, yeah, you know, they've got some important customers in in other parts of the world, even you know, that that really like those models. And and so I thought, yeah, that'd be that'd be neat, you know. And and so um, I'm doing, I'm shaping for Hobie, and really love being part of such a rich legacy. I mean, yeah. Uh, I can't, I can't think of another surfboard manufacturer that has as much of a legacy and roots and foundation in, in, in the craft and, and just, gosh, everything water. But when it comes to surfboards, it's just, it's an incredible, I mean, it's such a dream job to be yeah. shaping. Like uh, I, I got a, right here, I got a, a Peter Pan slug I just did. Uh, just shaped this board. You know, I don't know how long the, the slug's been around, but it's been around for a long time, you know. Um, and there's been really a lot of them made. Here's one that was just made in this room. Same template, you know, same yeah. design, and making them currently right now. Ah, that's a cool part yeah. to be, thing to be part of. Yeah. Um, so I'm also doing uh, my own my own brand, I guess right. you'd say. Uh, um, and, you know, I, I hesitated with... Uh, with the, the Terry Martin shapes, um, well, after my dad passed away, he's not here anymore, and that's not, there's not going to be Terry Martin shapes anymore. But there's a part of me that's very much Terry Martin because he was my teacher, he was my dad, and, and mentor, and hero, and, and you know, a lot there, you know. Right. And so um, 
I, I try to figure out, okay, who am I now that my dad's not here and who am I as a shaper and what boards do I make? And, you know, I thought about coming up with a, you know, a new, new brand or logo or whatever. And, and I had quite a few people in the industry come to me and, and several of them that had the idea of just drop the Terry off of the Martin, existing Mar Terry Martin shapes. Just drop the Terry off of that and just simply make it Martin shapes. Yeah. And, Ah, I love that, you know, because it's uh, it's like it, it 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 keeps all of the legacy and tradition that my dad had. Uh, it allows room for myself to jump into that, and for any other family member that's been taught by him or, or future generations to jump into that and carry that on. So I feel like I'm just kind of like a uh, one of the cars that's in the middle of the train. I'm not the caboose or the locomotive, you know. And I don't even know that my dad really felt like he was the locomotive. But anyway, I get to be part of, you know, this this whole deal, and and uh, and. And I like that, you know, and it's kind of like between as far as if you're just talking about just my dad and then myself, uh, the sum of the two is greater than, you know, it's, it's so, yeah. I hear you. What, if somebody wants to order a board from you, get a hold of you, how do they do that? Uh, yeah, they can just shoot. Uh, give me a call on my cell or shoot me an email. Uh, Where do they find uh, you? Shapes uh, at iCloud.com is my email. Anybody's free to uh, email me there or give me a call or shoot me a text on my cell. It's 949-533-7641. Uh, and, and people, like a lot of people uh, will go in and like, uh, you know, people are welcome to order a Hobie surfboard. Go in a Hobie surf shop, fill out an order card right in there and come get their Hobie surfboard made right here, yeah. you know. And that's a, that's a cool thing. I don't know how many manufacturers allow for that, yeah, but Hobie's does. And that's a really a cool thing. There's probably no limit to what we can do. And uh, God has gifted us to be able to use our brains and with his help to, to do the things that we've done uh, uh, in the world up to today. And who knows what's up for tomorrow. Special thanks to Martin family friend and great shaper in his own right, Donald Brink, who provided all of Terry Martin's audio. If you would like to see the short film that that audio is taken from, go to surfsplendorpodcast.com. We'll also have photos of Josh's work, his pipo board he wiped out on, and you can also leave a comment about today's show. If you're new to Surf Splendor, all past episodes are archived for free on our website, in iTunes and Stitcher. If you listen in iTunes or Stitcher, be sure to rate and review the show. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Surf Splendor and Facebook.com forward slash Surf Splendor. And lastly, the show is completely free, but you can invest in the future of the show by simply sharing it with a friend. The more people listening, the more shows we will be able to produce. I think it's only appropriate that we let Terry close out the show. So until next time, thank you for listening. This is David Scales for Surf Splendor saying, Mahalo. You know, I heard this saying one time. Uh, I think I did. I must have. I don't know that it came from me, but... Some, I think someone said, no, 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 no. You're not looking at the big picture. You're just looking as far as your elbow. Uh, you need to look at least to your hand. So you see the big picture. Because if you're just looking to your elbow, you don't really have a solid vision for what you want to accomplish, whatever it is. When I got to making surfboards, which I love anything to do with the sport, 
and I can actually make a living uh, making surfboards, I thought, well, I don't want it to be like my other job. Well, I got two more hours to go. I wanted to forget time. I wanted to love what I was doing and surf shaping surfboards was right down my alley. Uh, I've lasted in this business for, you know, five, almost six decades and, uh, uh, and I like it just as much today as I did in the beginning. Life is bigger than shaping surfboards and surfing. It's a wonderful thing that God gave us as a gift, but uh, there's a whole lot to life and I'm sure that uh, he has way more for me to do than just shaping surfboards.